You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, what a, what a delight to be back. We've, we have... Uh, We've really missed you. We're so glad to be back again. Also delighted that this church is not dependent on us. And what a wonderful opportunity to actually live in the reality of that. It's good for us and it's good for you. Um, we love to serve in team. We, we always have. And many people have stepped up and stepped in to free us up for the period that we've been away. But regardless of that, so many of you carry so much wait um, alongside us and we're so grateful and we we just wanted to say a massive thank you for that thank you for those of you that have carried extra weight to free um, Steph up and I up to prioritize my recovery and we'd also like to thank our trustees and the trustees of the vineyard movement that stepped in really quickly and did exactly what they needed to do and uh, how wonderful to be part of such a such a movement of, of faithful and supportive movement of churches. And um, thank you to all of you that went out of your way to stand with us, to encourage us spiritually, practically, emotionally, on, on virtually every level. Honestly, I can't understand why anybody would not want to be part of a church family. It's, it's remarkable. In times like we've just been through, you, you kind of see the fullness of that, but not only to be family, but to be a Jesus-centered family. Not only was Steph and I on the, the receiving end of that kindness, that love and encouragement, but our daughters too, and we could say so much about that, but just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you. We're, we're delighted to be back for many reasons. One is because it means I'm well. Um, thank you, Jesus. Um, but but also we've we've missed you. You know, we believe God has called us to lead this church, and we're really relieved to know, despite it being incredibly difficult actually to get in this morning, um, but there's not been like a coup or a revolution or, or something like that. But, you know, if it's your first week here or you've just joined us since the start of the year, you might be thinking, hang on a minute, who on earth are you? Well, we're here in the flesh. It's not mythical and it's not imaginary as church leaders. We're, we're back. And um, today's talk, as you may have noticed, is going to be slightly different. I think I'd rather call it an, just an honest conversation. I've been um, unwell, and Steph and I just wanted to give you an overview of what's been going on over the last few weeks and why so far um, this year, this we've only actually been with you one week, I think. Um, now, before I begin, I kind of just wanted to say this is going to be a slightly unusual talk. If, if you're here for the first time or haven't heard... Um, Steph or I speak before, it might be worth saying this isn't the norm. Um, and I'm going to try and walk a really fine line. There's, there's a tension, and I think as Vineyard people, hopefully we're, we're quite comfortable with tension. But there's, there's a few key elements, we'd say, in leading a church. One is don't whip things up. Um, whilst trying to be spirit-led, don't leave things up in the air. And don't pose too many questions that leave people... Um, in, a, in a direction where you, you can't quite land things. Well, to have this conversation 
like this, I'm going to need to stray over the line of a few of those things. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, and I don't have all of the answers, though when do we ever have all of the answers? So for, for some of you, you'll be fully aware that sometimes humans get ill. And um, you, you may be grateful that you may not be, but we'll have a bit more of an in-depth look at what's happened to put your mind at ease. And then next week, we can just roll on as normal. For others of you, you may want to take a, a slightly closer look because I think there's been a spiritual backdrop to this illness and all of the circumstances that surround it that have pointed to some of this being slightly more than a physical thing. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. But be, before I jump in, can I just address a few wider reflections? When we're unwell, or in this case, really unwell, it's no bad thing to reflect on your life and your lifestyle. It's always good to have a review every now and again and, and really discern whether or not we're living as healthfully in all senses of the word as, as we possibly can. And it can often be the case that others share their reflections too, often close family and, and the like. And we always welcome that. We, we choose to be people who are shaped and people who are accountable by trusted people. Now, the response to this particular illness has been quite varied, along with the fact that people understand that sometimes we, we get ill. There's also been a really clear spiritual dynamic to that. Uh, alongside that, there's been a number of thoughts like, well, it's, it's because you're just too busy. And actually, your body is telling you to slow down. You, you, you kind of need to realign your life choices. You, or you got, you got ill because you've completely overdone it. Now, honestly, we, we hear that. And we understand these things are often said out of love and concern. And not just by people who know Jesus, people many friends and wider family as well. But Steph and I are not in any way trying to be defensive or dismissive of any of that. Any moment like this is worth reflecting on, and trust me, we've done some reflecting. Um, we do work hard. We are focused people who have a high degree of purpose. We lead the church. We work also for vineyard churches as part of the church planting team. We oversee the young adults in the vineyard movement. We also have young children. Now, all of those things, along with many others, keep us somewhat on our toes, probably in a reverse order of how I said them. But we, we, we love, we really do love all the elements of our lives, and we're hugely energized by it. We're often probably in danger of appearing slightly more busy than we are, because we work hard to pull a lot in, but when we're off, we're off. Our diaries are choco, and it's true sometimes it's weeks before the next available time for a meeting or a catch-up because we have a lot to fit in. But we're highly productive in our days off. We love our holidays, the places and spaces that we need to be replenished and refreshed and nourished for us and for our girls. Now, we prioritize our relationship with Jesus. We prioritize our marriage. We prioritize our daughters. We are sold out for Christ, his church, and his cause, and we give everything to that, but we believe these things can healthfully coexist. Discipleship starts at home, and we try to continually press into Jesus, giving ourselves and our girls opportunities to choose lives of surrender and risk and faith. Now, 
honestly, it's, it's really important you know all of that. We're, we're not trying to justify ourselves. We just wanted to share honestly and openly. And I'm sure you'll be glad to know that we do have margin in our lives. And as hard as it is sometimes to see needs and not be able to meet them, we have to choose to be in this for the long haul. We know that we can't be and we don't want to be all things to all people. Now, thankfully, we know somebody who can be. And we don't intend to put our marriage or our children on the altar of being too busy or too spent on everything and everyone else. Now, I'm not in any way trying to be relationally cold or say we don't care. We really do care. But if you know us... You'll, you'll know we're deeply relational people, but as part of our obedience to God in planting this church, we also said a wholehearted yes to the extension of the kingdom, to creating environments where people are, are authentically and loved and, and nurtured and developed. Now, alongside that, we have to have a long-term vision. We can't allow our house to operate like the vicarage and our lives to be accessible 24-7, just to name a couple of tangible examples of practical pastoral demands on our lives. Now, there's, there's probably have been times where the perceived health and growth of this church have been delayed because we've chosen not to do something or to postpone something because we needed the margin, our children did, or actually we sensed some of you did. This is a marathon, not a sprint. It's another reason why small groups are so important because we're not trying to build something around us. This is not our church. It's God's and he is the head of it. And this season for us being away and, and me being quite unwell has allowed us to reflect on that again. I don't believe we find our significance or identity in leadership. We find it in Jesus and we are simply his servants. We planted this church and continue to lead it because God asked us to, not because it meets a need in us. It is a great joy and a privilege, though, to be obedient to Jesus. But it's never a bad thing to ask the Father, do you still want us to do this? Are you trying to realign something in us? Now, you may be glad or may not be glad to know we're going nowhere. Old orders are good orders until you get new orders. And we don't say any of that lightly. We're not saying that we have a really blasé approach to this and that we could just walk away or, or drop people. We're not saying that at all. We deeply love this church and the people in it, and we wouldn't want to be anywhere else. But what we are saying, as hopefully we often do, is this is not our church. It's his. It's never been ours, and it never will be. It's his, and he leads it as he determines. And we will do our absolute best to stay in step with what we see the Father doing and lead as faithfully and as wholeheartedly as, as we can. Now, sorry if it seems intense to say all of that, for us to say all of that, but I think it's important. And by the way, it's worth saying, Steph and I wrote this together. It's, it's kind of from the both of us, but I'm, I'm the spokesperson. Um, but... We need you to know we love Jesus more and more every day. We have not experienced burnout. We, we've not just hit a wall. We've, we're not worn out or dry or 
stalling or beginning to struggle. In fact, I would say far from it. We are, though, in a spiritual battle that often we overlook. Yeah, people do get ill. They really do. We all know that. But I find it interesting that pretty much every time there's a conference or I start a new series, one of the four of us gets ill. Now, I I get it. People get ill. But it's fascinating that it just so happens one of the four of us will pretty much get ill on a Saturday night. Now, that often, alongside that, there's been a number of other really interesting things that I often have prolonged things that can really affect often the things we do as we lead the church and have made it harder every time, well, not every time, but when we returned from holiday in the summer, I had whiplash. It affected me for a few months. Some of you would know I had problems with my wisdom too, five or six courses of antibiotics, on and on and on and on. Now, our busyness would provide no explanation for the fact that both of our children have had meningitis or the fact that the day after we announced we were planting this church in Manchester, the very next day, we started to lose our baby, and within the week, they'd passed directly from being with us to be with the father. Now, honestly, the enemy seeks to kill and destroy. If we read our Bibles, it tells us that. He seeks to limit and to inhibit, and he doesn't play fair. Yes, sometimes circumstances suck. Sometimes life is hard but sometimes there's a little bit more to it than that. So therefore, let me try and just give you a bird's eye view, if I can, of the last few months. And can I start by saying, because I've, I think this is quite important, we are, as far as we can discern, fairly normal people. <laughs> now, if, if define normal, but if you have to tell people you're normal, <laughs> sometimes you can start asking questions. But... Honestly, I, I kind of, we wanted you to know that. I used to be a fireman, Steph used to work in marketing. We now lead a church. We never actually planned to lead a church. Admittedly, there have been years of pastoral experience and training between the fire service and the marketing days, but the bottom line is all we've ever sought to do is say yes to Jesus when he's asked us to do something. And that yes has certainly had a cost at times. But actually... Jesus paid a far greater cost. It led him to the cross. There is a cost to saying yes. Sometimes it does make me laugh that some of the things we end up doing, for example, public speaking, would be one. I'm, I'm dyslexic. One of the hardest things I find to do is to read out loud, and yet now I do it regularly. We, honestly, we don't take ourselves seriously, but we do take Jesus incredibly seriously. Why am I telling you this? Because the curtain has been torn. We have access to God. Some of you have major barriers in your minds about, can, can you, could you be used by God? You'll have all your reasons why you think you can't and why others would have a closer relationship with Jesus, why you think certain people in the church can have or would be used by God, and you'll always be 20 steps behind that why you can't live out the fullness of all that he asked for you and or you can't walk through the doors that he's opened for you. You know, you'll have multiple reasons for me. Dyslexia was, was one of many. 
whilst, whilst I was off, that you know that song sometimes we sing, it broke me in pieces, I, lo I love it, it's so true. It says, you welcome the lover, the hater, the believer, the doubter, the mighty, the broken, the pure, and the profane, the selfish, the giver, the loser, the winner, the righteous, the sinner, all the same. It is so, so true. We really hope you know how welcome you are here. More than that, we, we long for you to know just how welcome you are to know and to love and to be known and to be loved by Jesus. It's so important that you know that because that will allow you to belong. And when you have the freedom to belong, you'll have the freedom to discover him and who he's created you to be. We've always sought to keep it so simple, to never overcomplicate things to give people the easy in. All, all we're really seeking to do as a community is to love Jesus and the outworking of that is we'll love the people around us and the city around us. Anyway, that's I slightly digress, but where I really want to take us today is to awaken us to the spiritual journey we're on and the spiritual battle that we're in. Now, why do I tell you <laughs> that I'm normal or as normal as I might think I am, is, is because I, I don't want you thinking what I'm about to tell you is, is inaccessible or it's me or Steph or this is an us thing. Actually, no, this, this is an all of us thing. This is a church thing. God speaks to his people in remarkably different ways through the scriptures, through words of others, through circumstances and events and so on and so forth. And it's kind of up to us to listen and to be perceptive and to be alert. Well, back in September, Steph and I and a few others were praying for the, for the new term, and we encountered God and something of his presence in a way that will probably forever change us. All I can say to describe it is that the manifest presence of God was among us. Then last November, Steph and I were away with a few of the vineyard leaders, and I had quite a remarkable encounter with God. I, I, I physically saw, I just told you I was normal, so stick with me, but I physically saw that the wing of an angel brushed past my arm twice, and I saw definition, I saw outline, and I saw texture, and it was quite a moment, and a number of other things happened as a result. Fast forward to the 21st of December, and in the middle of the night, I woke up and I had an awareness of the presence of God in angelic form in our bedroom. Now, I was, as you might expect, slightly overwhelmed in that moment, but I knew beyond doubt what was happening. It felt, and the words I used in my head was, this is an angelic visitation. And we started to have a, a conversation. And, and, and there's, there's, there's things that he said to me. And one of them was, there's going to be an angelic visitation in the church. To which I responded, not blasé, but a little bit like, yeah, of course. I, I believe that. I believe that for this church. In fact, I believe that for every other spirit-led, spirit-filled people on earth. Then, then I felt quite a rebuke. Do you doubt me? It was one of those moments. Do you doubt me? And the, the encounter changed gear, and I feared God. It was a, this holy fear came over me, and I, I was reminded of Zachariah doubting Elizabeth being pregnant. You know the story, he doubts and ends up as a consequence being mute, and I was somewhat overcome with fear. No, no, I don't doubt. I don't doubt the power, the supremacy, the sovereignty of God, the all-knowing, the all-powerful King of kings and Lord of lords. No, I don't 
I don't doubt. Now, for those of you that now think I'm slightly off my rocker, if you read Acts 10, Cornelius had a vision featuring a heavenly messenger. God spoke to other Bible characters through a variety of means. Take the burning bush with Moses in Exodus, the talking donkey at Balaam in Numbers, the gentle whisper heard by Elijah in 1 Kings and the strained object lesson of Jeremiah in Jeremiah. Now, simply put, God speaks to his people in remarkably different ways. It wasn't just a then and there thing. It's a here and now thing. Then, So that's kind of going on in my mind. Then suddenly in my mind, I was aware of something. I remembered the 422 project that has already been mentioned this morning that we're doing. Now, humanly, I would say it is probably beyond us. I had it on my mind and I was thinking, well, actually, I don't doubt you, God. I was just thinking, actually, this is a big ask. And... Um, as you would expect with a project like that, there's a number of challenges and twists and turns along the way. And I felt the angel asking, do you doubt? Now I'm in the middle of this whole angelic visitation thing and I said, I believe, help me in my unbelief. You remember the story, the phrase where that's used in Mark 9, I believe, help me in my unbelief. Any, anyway, I, I get this sense, don't doubt. Just believe. Just have faith. And the room suddenly returns to normal, whatever normal is after an experience like that. And I got the sense to check the time. And I look at my phone. In fact, I took a screenshot of my phone because it caused me to freeze with a realization of what had just happened. It was 22 minutes past four. It was 4.22. Now, many would dismiss that as a coincidence. I'm afraid I've had enough God moments in my life to think otherwise, and I knew that I'd just encountered something quite remarkable of the Almighty. Anyway, life rolls on. We have the Christmas break, and on the Saturday before the first Sunday back in January, I woke three times in the night, and I encountered what I can only describe to you as pure evil. It was, it was horrible. It was truly awful. I've had demonic dreams in the past but this was something beyond it was it was another level and I knew we were in the bat we were in a battle now the w next morning I woke and I said to Steph I, I feel ill and I said I know sometimes people get ill but this feels so spiritual and I chatted it through over the next few days with a few people around the movement and they agreed with me as to what I was saying on the Monday we were chatting and praying with some of the team here and I hadn't shared anything about what had been happening to me I mean if I'm honest I'm trying to justify being normal all of that just felt a little bit barking mad and I didn't really know what people would think of it anyway someone shared an impression they had about angels coming and I knew there was a bit of a link and I felt a nudge so I shared some of what I just told you and as I did I had a, a picture of magpies coming to um to peck at the jewels. Anyway, by that evening, I was feeling really quite ill. By the Tuesday more so, I tried a few times to get a doctor's appointment, but couldn't. And anyway, I'm thinking, this is just the flu. You know, like, probably a bit more now than man flu, but it was just, it was just the flu. So by Wednesday, I was getting increasingly worse, and I was on antibiotics and all sorts for a suspected chest infection. But I was in so much pain. And they said to me, if you don't improve in two days, you need to come back. Now... By the end of two days, I got way worse. And I went and saw the doctor, and I came home in tears. And I said to Steph, I need to go back. Someone has to do something. This is not right. 
So we, we have a friend who in this church who works in A&E, and he, he came round and we chatted it through. Now, my collection of growing symptoms were quite confusing. We all agreed it felt spiritual, but I actually decided, given the pain I was in, I needed to go to A&E. Now, they did loads of tests, and as you would expect, and we're waiting for the results. And as we're waiting, I went to the, the desk thing, and I, I said, I'm in so much pain. Please could I have some pain relief? I can, I can hardly cope. Um, and I was in tears in the pain. Now, you've got to know that's, that's not normal for me. I have a fairly high pain threshold, and I knew I wasn't in a good place. And anyway, they called me, and I had to walk five meters to the little consultation room. And as I tried to get to the room, I started crying uncontrollably, and then something significantly changed. My jaw locked and I felt almost gagged and I had pins and needles covering the whole of my head. Now, I've experienced something like that twice before. Once in about 2004, Steph's dad and I were in a vineyard leaders meeting and I encountered God in the most remarkable way and I was freed of some significant stuff from my childhood. And then secondly, in about 2011 with John and Debbie Wright who lead Trent Vineyard, and I ended up being freed of what I'd now describe as an afflicting spirit, having had insomnia for many years prior and having tried almost everything to see it resolved, sleep clinic, sleep psychologist, medication, you name it, I tried it. From that moment, something changed. And I would now say I don't sleep as much as I'd like just because we have young children rather than because actually we have, I have sleep problems. Now, both of those instances are probably fairly long stories and I don't have time to go into it but I was instantly aware in this moment in the hospital that something had changed I'd moved from something physical to something spiritual and as soon as I could I said to the friend who's with me I said this this isn't physical this is spiritual there's an affliction and I am so aware of it and I text Steph and I said I've been discharged could you gather a few people we need to pray and uh, when I arrived home, I'm talking with Steph, and she says to me, what's, what's in your mouth? And um, she thought I had some kind of boiled sweet or something in, in my mouth. And it was kind of the way my, my jaw was moving as I spoke. It was restricted. Now, there was nothing in my mouth. Anyway, we, we start praying with a few others and kind of just gathered a few people. I don't know, it was like half ten at night. And that's kind of what I mean about this is a phenomenal church, that they're ready to rally at any moment. It's remarkable. But anyway, Steph senses this again. There's something in my mouth. It's like I'm gagged. And I, I couldn't talk. I actually then couldn't say anything. And, um, but, but as I'm gagged, I saw something unfold before me of the presence of God like never before. It was like I could see this unfolding realm. And I could probably spend the next two hours just telling you about that. But we don't have time. But I could see some things of God and some things of evil. And as people prayed and I prayed, my, my jaw was released and I started saying stuff. Now, there's stuff I could see. I just started speaking it out. I saw many things and a number of things that we still need to work through and discern what we do about it, if I'm honest. We've not worked it out. I saw a number of things on a number of people, bindings, trappings, all sorts, but also sprinklings of grace and touches of God. And at the time, maybe naively, our plan was to come to you the following Sunday and not actually tell you much of the details so that you didn't think I was barking mad and out of my mind. But initially, 
just to tell you we've had the most remarkable moment of intercession and we would love to know if anything for any of you has changed. Now, fascinatingly, a number of you got in touch over the next few days and weeks and said things like, I know this is really odd, but has anybody been praying for us? Something has really shifted. Or to tell us of an experience of healing that seemed quite random and out of nowhere or a degree of freedom. Phenomenal. Now, actually, now we've told you that, there may be more of you towards the turn of the year. That's what was going on. Anyway, I wasn't able to make it that Sunday because over the next few days things went quite significantly downhill. What started as a chest infection and pleurisy developed into pneumonia. I started to become significantly dehydrated and I'd been in bed for 10 days straight and there was a strain on my body that led to a huge strain on my heart and actually way more than just pneumonia. Now I'll spare you the details but physically I was in a really bad place. I was rushed into hospital and the bizarre occurrences continued. Now this happened on Tuesday and for a few days leading up to this a friend of mine kept asking me what are you doing on Tuesday and it was really quite odd because well normally I take the kids to school and I work for the movement and you know it's almost like what, what, what do you mean what do I do on Tuesday? Why do, you, why do you ask? But yeah, what are you doing on Tuesday? And it gets to the point where you're like, what, what do you mean? What am I doing on Tuesday? Anyway, it turns out, of course, to live for, he'd had a picture of me on that particular Tuesday on the 14th of January with a tear dropping from heaven on me. So there I was on that exact day, been rushed into hospital and things in hospital, the things that they normally do to make you better were actually making me worse. Now, they were baffled, but I was really baffled. And I could hear them chatting about it, and the doctors and consultants started to come in threes and fours, and they're trying to piece it together, and none of it made any sense. And it was the most bizarre 24 hours whilst they tried to stabilize me and worked quite hard to do it. But anyway, long story short, after a few days in hospital, I was released home and started a very long period of recovery. I can't even begin to describe to you how physically exhausted my body was and we'd got a lot of processing to do. There were many other elements to all of that that I don't have time to go into, but let me just tell you one. For about a year, maybe a year and a half, Steph has been experiencing stigmata. It's a pain in her hands and actually now has spread to her wrists, which happens virtually every time she prays. And it's often said to be something that it is a pain in locations that correspond to the crucifixion wounds of Jesus. Now, we've often wondered about it. Lord, what are you doing? What are you trying to teach us? And as, as we say yes to Jesus, we certainly enter into the cost of suffering. The good news is we also enter into the resurrection and the life. But the, the Lord has been stirring so much in us and showing and revealing more of the spiritual realms to us and strengthening us and um, strengthening our spiritual resilience and equipping us for, for what's to come. Now, just, just to pause again, for those of you that were thinking I'm slightly mad and now thinking maybe Steph is as well and we're off our rocker, let, let me just say, if, if you read the book of Acts or you read the book of Mark, there's many occurrences of encountering God in ways that might seem a little bit abnormal or encountering seasons that are hugely challenging. Let me just give you one. If you read Daniel 10, it says this, on 
April the 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen cloth with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, my face grew deathly pale. I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and then I heard the sound of his voice, and I fainted. I lay there with my face to the ground. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. You know, we talk about being naturally supernatural. Honestly, in many respects, there's nothing natural about the supernatural. I, I, I kind of need you to know we're not the kind of people who look for demons under every stone. You know, we haven't, we don't, and we won't. We, we don't chase the enemy. We chase Jesus. And all that I've shared so far might sound a little bit barking mad to some of you. And actually, we really get that because in many ways, it has to us. This, this year has been the first year in 20 years that we weren't able to make the Vineyard National Leaders Conference. It's always been such a rich time of catching up with the wider Vineyard family. But a couple from the States who were key speakers at the Leaders Conference were flying back home through Manchester. And we had the privilege of spending time with them after the conference. Now, it was fascinating to talk through with them some of their story and get a vineyard perspective through from a couple who aren't on the day-to-day cult face of, of what's going on for us. And it was hugely helpful to chat with people who have experienced something similar to all that we're seeing and currently facing and we're able to share such wisdom and insight and grace and peace with us. Now, I guess what I'm trying to do today is just highlight afresh that we're in a spiritual battle. Now, sometimes we play that down and we underestimate that. Bombs are dropping all around us and we're just wandering around like civilians in civilians' clothing. Now, what I don't want to do is hype this up. What we're certainly not asking us to do is to lurch in a new direction or on on a new path that we haven't been on before. But I do sometimes think we get a wake-up call. As Steph and I have reflected in the last three years that we've been leading this church, we counted 40 occurrences among you, regardless of us, that naturally sort of have explanations, but all of which have felt like a spiritual battle. There's been others, but they're just the ones when we made a list a few weeks ago that sprung to mind. We're in a battle, and we're on a battlefield. That is not a new concept. We are aware that this precious church, at times, has experienced a quite extraordinary level of opposition and assault. The challenge is sometimes we don't realize it and therefore we don't act like it. I intend to do a series soon called The Clash of the Kingdoms because some of you need to make a prison break. 
whilst many of us would accept the unseen realm on an intellectual level, actually we don't always believe it has an effect on our daily lives. Ephesians 2.2, 2, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. In other words, before Jesus got involved in our lives, the devil had some free reign. Now, I'm not trying to stir up fear, because I said a minute ago, we're not demons under every rock kind of people. 2 Timothy one, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We have to realize we're new creations, and we have to have a battlefield perspective. Ephesians 6, 12, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in times of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Spiritual battles most often occur when we advance into new territory and territory that is currently occupied by evil spirits. Enemies fought Joshua in the Promised Land and Nehemiah as he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. The enemy will fight us as we begin to take the spiritual terrain that God has promised to us. Now, this little season has caused us to read back on some of the prophecies over this church. Oh my goodness. We're seeing some of the green shoots, but no wonder there's a battle. We're going to keep pressing on and pressing in for our inheritance and all we believe that we're collectively and individually called to. It's all too easy to live unaware of the resistance that we encounter and do encounter as we step forward into God's promises. We can so easily retreat at the first sign of conflict. Honestly, I see that for some of you. Because sometimes we fail to realise and recognise the true source of the battle or the way the war is raging in the, in the invisible realm. One, one of the most common ways is through our thoughts. I'll unpick it in the weeks ahead, but it's why the Bible describes them as the flaming arrows of the enemy in Ephesians 6. No matter what form it takes, we have to remember these symptoms are the enemy's plot to kill and destroy and steal our inheritance. That's his role, to kill and destroy. Now, he doesn't play fair, and it isn't nice. When we lost our long-for and long-awaited baby, we had this moment. Do we back off and retreat? Or actually, do we double up and stick with it? And I tell you, it increased our resolve significantly. Their life would not be in vain. And I don't say that from a from a place of pain i say that from a place of victory but we feel the same now you know if you read some of the the words and the wording in ephesians 6 it's all stand firm stand firm then once you've stood firm keep standing it's the same language it's not always high and mighty victories you know sometimes it troubles me when people treat the enemy like it's some kind of computer game or, you know, we, we think every time the enemy attacks us that we're going to instantly see a victory. Actually, that can be the case, but often it's just a matter of standing firm. It's imperative we don't talk to the devil without our attorney present. Jesus is our advocate. John, 1 John 2, 
You know, we, we, that's the reality of it. And we don't negotiate with a terrorist. I want Jesus present. Well, we let the Lord take up the case. I'm not interested in playing games with the enemy. I want to do what Hebrews 4 says. It says, let us come boldly before the throne of our gracious God. Then we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we most need it. We're chasing Jesus. Sometimes that means being resilient. Sometimes that means standing firm and it means persevering. Romans 5, we can rejoice too. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us to develop endurance and endurance develops the strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us but he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You know, I love how C.S. Lewis encapsulates this. He says, enemy-occupied territory. That's what the world is. And Christianity, Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling us all, calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. You know, I think it's important that we discern actually what's going on in our lives. What is the Holy Spirit's spotlight? Where is he shining a light on our brokenness to make us whole? And what are the accusations of the evil one that point out our weaknesses and have absolutely no redemptive value whatsoever? That's the journey we have to go on of discerning between the two because the enemy hates to see restoration and breakthrough in any area of our lives. The, the, the warfare that he, he wages is often a sign of the, the fact that we're truly embracing something of a passionate pursuit of the kingdom and starting to see breakthrough. Let, let me just, if I can, just park some of that and just take a moment to reflect on ministry times. You know the time at the end when we pray for each other or however and whenever we do it. We'll always try and dial it down and re remove the hype in order for the Holy Spirit to initiate it and take the lead. But it can be a wrestle to use that time wisely and effectively. Because it's not about just having a nice gentle bit of worship that makes us feel nice and cozy and comforted. It's not about a human interaction or comfort. That can come later. Often it's warfare. It's ripping off the lies and the strangleholds and the torments of the enemy and seeking freedom and wholeness in our lives. Now, if I just jump back to my illness, many could say I was ill. And I was ill. I was significantly unwell. And there was certainly, we would say, more to it than just the physical. Steph and I are praying for us collectively for a season of breakthrough. We need to grab it. We need to fight for it. We need to press in for it. Many of you in many areas of your lives have been robbed by the enemy. It's holding you back. For those of you that feel a bit troubled by what I've shared today, honestly, I don't think we're saying anything more than we probably already knew or is in the book. If we read the book, we see it all the way through. John 16, 33, I've told you all of this, that so you'll have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Some days, does it feel hard? Does it feel really hard? Battle scars, battle wounds, knocked back, knocked down. It can be easier not to engage. 
oh, but so-and-so said this about me. I find them so hard to get on with. You know, small groups too far away, or it's raining, I'm tired. Or, I, I tell you the one he normally goes for is relational conflict. There's a, there's a, that, that tension and conflict relationally is root one of the enemy. Maybe the need for us is to be more aware of it and engage in a battle rather than be knocked back by it. What, what, what is it in your life at the moment that's knocking you back and depleting your faith and robbing you of the kingdom resolve? This, this season, I would say, has changed Steph and I for the better. Some of how that is and what that looks like will trickle out in the weeks ahead. But there's a couple of things we kind of wanted to do immediately. Firstly, we've never sought to overly emphasize us. It's, it's just not what we believe is right, and we don't want to do it. However, we do acknowledge there's a rather large, at times, bullseye target on us, and through the counsel of some of our leaders, we have an awareness that we can't keep playing that down. Now, we'd like to invite those of you that would like to, to pray for us specifically and regularly. Now, I know many of you do, but if you'd like to, we'd love you to let us know so that we can link you up with the person who's going to coordinate that. The second one is, and this is a slightly longer story, and I'll share more another time, but over this period, we've become profoundly aware of the impact this church is having on church planting across this movement and wider, and we'd love to invest more into that. We know uh, of many potential planters who have visited us over the last three years and how much of a help it has been to them. We'd like to increase the potential of that and we believe the Lord actually will lay on some of your hearts a passion to help facilitate it. Could you host them as they come through? Could you provide them with a degree of hospitality? Often they come with little resources and sometimes with children and they just need to be cheered on. Now, we're not trying to build a church. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. We're not trying to be somebody's saviour. That job is already taken. What we are trying to do is to be faithful with what we have and see the kingdom of God forcefully extend much wider than just this local context. Now, today, without the unforeseen turn of events that I've just talked about, this would have been the week that I'd planned to do this year's vision talk. We still believe there is a step-up moment I may share some of what the Lord had laid on our hearts at another point, but with some of this, it's galvanized us afresh in a new way, and we believe the similar will happen to you too. We need the army to engage in the battle. We can't be lukewarm about the war that we're in. We have to be a people that step into this and step up our game. Why don't we stand together? Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.